Hi everybody, the Complex PTSD guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist. I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD, and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. I wanted to share something that might be hopeful for people who struggle with what I would call chronic thoughts of harming yourself. Um, and I don't know what the you know population of people is out there that suffer with that. I know that I'm definitely in that community of people. Um, and there's rarely been anything that I've found that I would say has been inspiring um, in relation to going through a lot of suffering and constantly rebounding from suffering. And I've talked to you guys about that on this podcast numerous times over the past several years. Um, the constant, you know, bringing yourself back out of depression or like I said in the last episode, I use that word tenacity and that's a very specific word. And I use it in the sense of not just getting a grip, because if you look at the definition of t- tenacity, it'll say having a firm grip on something, but being able to sort of get a grip on rebounding. So having a tenacity of like chronically saving yourself is how I look at it. Um, but there was a, a book that was written a few years ago, and I've mentioned this book. I remember mentioning it a couple of years back, and I sort of dissected it to death. I don't know, maybe around 2019, sometime around then, probably when I read it. Um, I'm trying to think of where I was at the time. I think I was living where I am now, but I might have been living in a different place. But if you're really at like your wit's end, I feel like this is a good book to read because I found it very inspiring um, in regards to the ability to create things off of your suffering. And the book is called The Geography of Genius, and it's by Eric Weiner, I think his last name is pronounced, W-E-I-N-E-R. And I think it came out in 2016, but it talks about different places in the world and how they fostered creativity and how there needs to be like a struggle in a lot of ways and a drive to create things um, that we eventually get a genius out of that. Um, So he focuses on specific places like Florence, Italy, during the Renaissance, Vienna, Austria, I think in 1800 and then again in 1900. And he focuses on Mozart and Sigmund Freud, and I think Beethoven. Um, he focuses on a a city in China. I can't pronounce the name of it. I think it's Heng Hengzai. Um, and he focuses on Calcutta, India, at a certain time frame. He focuses on Silicon Valley and Athens. Um, he, he goes into different places: um, Edinburgh, Scotland during the Scottish Enlightenment. Um, and how they created a lot of like new medicines and or into science and debate and all these things. Um, and one particular thing that I found very inspiring in this, and I just, it reminded me of when I wrote my play. So when I wrote that play in 2018, 
that I've talked about on here numerous times. That came out of like the time of the greatest sorrow in my life, being out of work for four months and literally sitting down and just creating something. And in a way it was, it was based off of the event. So I've talked to you guys about the event that happened in 2017 and how that completely turned my whole world upside down. And that even relates again to this book. He talks about having a schema. Um, I think he calls it like a schema, like a, a dilemma where your world turns upside down. I think he calls it a schema shift or something like that. Um, but it, it's where there's a big shift in your in your life. And he, he talks about this a lot with immigrants where they move to a different country and they see things very differently a lot of times because they're, they're not from there. They're not from that country. Um, but it's, it's a good book in relation to, if you've ever really struggled with something, it's a good book that inspires me to be persistent. Um, and I feel like I am very persistent. For example, I do like a gajillion episodes on this podcast, um, which I've been doing the last like four years. And I'm always thinking up new ideas to put on here and I do put them on here. Um, but I'd have to say my the play that I did, um, that was pure hard work and ingenuity. Um, and it was really a, a new idea is what it was. Um, and I was thinking back because I, I did my last episode about feeling lost um, and some things that had kind of led me to that. A lot of sort of distracting, sort of sad poverty type of environments that they make me feel very almost concerned when I see them and very just a lot of despair and that very much is bothering to me um you know and I almost have to remind myself of things to get my mind away from that um but one thing in particular I wanted to point out and again this is in regards to something I've struggled with um quite regularly. And I told you guys back in October when I had that accident, um, I had, I just had a really low time back in October and I had called a hotline and talked to a woman. Um, and she had given me like a sort of a worksheet to work out. And I, I talked to you guys about all that. Um, and I've told you guys, I've been, when I was 21, I was hospitalized and that was related to the same thing. It was, um, you know, life ending situation. Um, but it's this constant resaving of yourself is how I describe it. Um, constantly pulling yourself out of major depression or whatever it might be. Um, but I wanted to read one part here. And again, this book's called the geography of genius. It's a really interesting book. He, he particularly points out geography isn't based on like your, I'm sorry, genius isn't based on your DNA. It's based on certain cultures, um, that allow for creativity and, uh, a flow of information and the ability to bring in new ideas and not hinder, you know, like free speech and things like that. Um, they're they're open they're more open societies and they they sort of bounce ideas off of each other and i would say personally there's been a big lack of that um we might feel like we have a, a ton of information flying at us constantly 
which we do, but a lot of ways in the United States, I'd say there's a lot of platforms where a lot of people's views, um, just in the last, I would say five years have been shut out. And it's almost like you can't say that. And, you know, this is politically incorrect. You can't say that. Um, and I'm all for the opposite. I mean, that's one reason I want to do my history podcast because I feel like, and it would also be a philosophy podcast because I studied history and philosophy. But one of the things that, one of the big reasons I want to do my history podcast is talk about things that people don't talk about um, and sort of, you know, go against the grain on how to even teach and learn about things. Because um, being in the history world, one, there's a lot of stealing of ideas and there's a lot of like the big name people, I would say, take ideas from people who aren't as big name. Um, there's also a lot of politics in it, which is terrible. Um, there's a lot of hiding of things because they're politically incorrect. Um, I've seen it. Like, I've literally seen it. I would never want to work at, like, a university. Um, I was going to teach a, um, a community enrichment class, but nobody signed up for it. It was about the Underground Railroad in Morgan County, Illinois. Um, but I just feel like there would just be way way too much correctness for my taste. Um, and I'm open to all, all avenues, like all ideas. I'm not, you know, it's just whatever. Um, but so I really like this book cause he's that same way. He's, he's open to all branches. He's not for, you know, shutting things out. Um, and he's also another thing that I've talked to you guys about with reading the books at the library, you know, opening my mind up to different perspectives and things I never knew about. Um, and I've told you the, uh, some of the books are, they really get you to think more critically, which I think is vital, vitally important. Um, but he says in here in this book, and again, I just wanted to share this cause I think it's very, it's very hopeful. Um, and this doesn't mean, you know, that I'm a genius. It doesn't mean that if I create some remarkable thing that I'm a genius, I just find this hopeful. Um, you know, genius, that's a very big word. I don't even know if I would, I would want to be that, um, you know, and who the heck knows what that, what that really is anyway. I think it's just a matter of how much something that you can maybe create and how you create it and how much you choose and how much people know about it. You know, I, I think it's up to whoever's kind of looking at it, you know, what is a genius, but, um, so one thing that they say in this book, and this is, it's kind of a quote from somebody else. So I'll just, I'm going to read quite a bit here, but it says the ability to acknowledge and mourn loss is apt to lead to a shutdown of vital creative impulses. Only the resolution of loss allows for a fresh start and renewed access to sources of creativity. Um, and that's, it says Armand Dianjour, a classicist also trained as a psychotherapist, said that in his book, The Greeks and the New. And again, this is inside this other book, The Geography of Genius by Eric Weiner. Um, and then it goes on to say, this is a remarkable statement. He's suggesting that mourning 
meaning mourning a loss. He's suggesting that mourning, the fully conscious encounter with loss, is not only vital for our mental health, but for our creative lives as well. This dynamic might explain why a disproportionately large number of geniuses of any era have lost a parent, usually a father at a young age. This includes Dante, Bach, Darwin, Michelangelo, Dostoevsky, Mark Twain, and Virginia Woolf. These geniuses possess not only an ability to rebound from suffering, but to transform that suffering into productive and creative outlets. Winston Churchill, who also lost his father when he was young, said, Solitary trees, if they grow at all, grow strong. A boy deprived of a father's care often develops, if he escapes the perils of youth, he develops an independence and vigor of thought which may restore in afterlife the heavy loss of early days. That's a big if, though. Psychologist Robert Sternberg reviewed the data and concludes, the only other groups that suffered approximately the same proportion of childhood trauma caused by loss of a parent were delinquents and suicidal depressives. So that's the part I, I kind of wanted to point out there, and I'll just read that again. The only other groups that suffered approximately the same proportion of childhood trauma caused by a loss of a parent were delinquents and suicidal depressives. Suicidal depressives. The question is why some people who lose a parent go on to become geniuses while others become a delinquent or a suicide. Perhaps I think dog-earing Thucydides, I'm pronouncing his name wrong, Thucydides, and reaching for a glass of ozo, what marks the genus is not that they suffered, but how they suffered. Carl Jung defined neurosis as a substitute for legitimate suffering. And then he goes on to say some other stuff. Um, but the main point there was um, he's making the connection that people who sometimes are suicidal depressives. He also has mentioned manic depressives, clinical struggle with like clinical depression. Um, they're this psychologist, Robert Sternberg is saying that's approximately the same proportion of childhood trauma caused by loss of a parent. And they're saying that the loss of a parent is something a lot of these people we view as geniuses is something that they went through. And, that they were able to create something out of it. They were able to use it into creative, productive outlets. Um, and they also mentioned a lot of times if, you know, there's the opposite spectrum where some of them turn into just a full-blown delinquent or, you know, sui you know suicides. Um, so it's, it depends on how you work with it and, um, you know, what you do with it. And that's why I said in my last episode, you know, tenacity is a key trait that I sort of am very proud that people look at me with that. Like I've had people tell me you have a lot of tenacity, like you're able to like a cat sort of scratching its way back up a wall, the side of a wall to save itself. Um, you know, it's just that constant, constant re rebirthing almost is how I look at it. Constant, like saving of yourself. Um, but I wanted to share this because I think one, it's a really interesting book. I like that he's looking at 
you know, genius as a very different thing. He's, it's not, you know, something necessarily in your DNA. It's not necessarily just because you have a high IQ and he, he says all that in this book. Um, it's more about the, what you're able to create out of something. And a lot of times, many of these people, it's like extreme sorrow. And, you know, if you go through manic depression, this psychologist is comparing that to the same amount of suffering as a loss of a parent, which a lot of these people have had. Um, but it's also important that they, he mentions, it's not something that's done by just a lone person. You have to have the ability to go out there and share it and get some debate. And he compares the coffee houses and I think it was the coffee houses in Vienna. Um, so like where people would go and chit chat. And I think he talks about Sigmund Freud when he talks about that or else it's the ones a hundred years before that. I can't remember now, but I think that was, uh, around 1900, uh, when he mentions coffee houses. And I remember a movie called midnight in Paris, which I've mentioned on here before. Um, I find that movie very inspiring and they do the same thing in that movie. It's set in, I think the 1920s and it has like Picasso and Ernest Hemingway and all these different people that would go to this other artist's house. And I can't think of her name now. Um, Gertrude Stein, that was her name, but they would go to her house and her house was this place where they could all kind of share their ideas and talk about things and share their writing and they would critique each other. And it was just her, her home. It was Gertrude Stein's home and she was a writer. Um, but it was these painters and writers and different artists. And it reminded me a little bit of how I had told you guys, I had wanted to find a place in the community I live in to connect. Cause I'm already in like a poetry group, you know, I share my poetry. Um, and I, I work two jobs where I talk to my colleagues and I talk to my clients at my massage job. And, you know, I told you I, I've done a play and we produced it here in town. And that was a way in that sense, I got out and communicated with people and, you know, but I've told you that I, I thought about going to like a local bar and just chatting with a bartender and not even drinking because I, I haven't been drinking. Um, but just going to a bar and, you know, just have a soda or something and just chatting with somebody who's a, a local person. Um, I do chat with a guy at a restaurant a lot, a guy who owns a restaurant that I eat at every week. Um, but there's just something different about a bar versus maybe a restaurant like there's a little bit more of a maybe a an intimate relationship in a sense meaning a little bit more of like a a passionate form of communication going on but I almost feel like I you know it's something I need to do um, just to feel like I'm connected to my community more um, rather than joining like another group in town I feel like if you're in a place that's a social place and it's not like an organized group it's it's a different there's a different sense of connection there and I think it's really like vitally important to have that um, the other thing that you might find really inspiring in this book 
and I find very inspiring is that they say um, a certain level of hardship is vitally important um, in regards to a lot of these people who created really amazing things. They also are going through some type of like a some type of a hardship and not just the suffering. So like where they mentioned um, depressives and all that stuff, but like a some type of like a financial hardship or a something kind of holding them back or maybe even it could be like a writer's block or something, Um, you know, just a, a hardship or maybe even a disability. Um, you know, like having deafness, um, something of that nature, but you know, maybe it could even be like dyslexia. I don't know. Um, but there was, there was some type of hardship occurring because if everything was just easy or if the person was just floating in money and he also points out if they were just living in paradise, there'd be no need to even create anything like you wouldn't have any incentive. Um, so for me, like maybe the fact that I overspend and I feel like I'm always broke because I, I spend too much, you know, I truly do think that that helps with my creativity. Cause I've told you guys, I wanted to start my podcast and I want my other podcast and I wanted to address this one and do some screenwriting, like a screenplay type stuff. Um, for extra income because I I need extra income. Um, And part of that is for individual retirement account, but part of it is, you know, just having more, more money at my disposal. Um, But there's a lot of things in this book that I think could be very inspiring for you guys. And it's something I always think of whenever I'm at like my, my lowest low point. So when I was feeling lost the last few days and I did the episode about tenacity this last episode. Um, you know, this was something I thought back to and I had forgotten that he had mentioned the coffee houses and the importance of, you know, having that sort of community place to just be, uh, maybe open with your surroundings in a sense. He also points out, which I thought was interesting that a lot of the places that, you might think are places like a super creative city. Let's just say, I don't know, just whatever, just a super creative part of a city. Um, He said a lot of times that's not where a creative person might actually be that creates something. They might actually be yearning to get to a place like that. And that's why they end up creating something elsewhere in a place where they might have some struggle going on. Like they're trying to get somewhere So they have to create something very unique and interesting that takes them there. Um, And then they may end up there, but it's what they create in this very creative place. Um, And they tend to be insider outsiders. Like they're not fully in their community, but they're not completely outside their community. Um, It's a very delicate balance, according to this author. Um, But I found it all very inspiring. And if you're in a place like that where you are you know, struggling financially. And, you know, the, the point is, like I said, in my last episode is to have that tenacity and have that ability to pull yourself back up out of it. Um, but I think this book has a lot of things that are very hopeful, especially if you have that ability to keep being creative 
and sharing your ideas with people, um, it's, it's really huge. And I don't know, there's just a lot that I found very inspiring about this book. And I, I think I mentioned it three or four years ago, but I wanted to mention it again. So again, it's called The Geography of Genius by Eric, Eric Weiner, Eric Weiner. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but it's a good book. This is the Complex PTSD guy signing off.